This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So good to see your beautiful faces here today. So glad to have each of you with us, especially if it's your first time. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. I'm going to take just a little time this morning. Today's going to be a little bit different um, because we are getting ready. Not next weekend, we'll be back in here, but to launch out after next weekend into a whole new season for the harbor. And so I'm going to be sharing today about what that looks like for us as it relates to gatherings and groups and outreach. So those three things are what I'm going to focus on and highlight today in the message and tie that into a a verse of scripture in the Psalms. And I believe God's going to speak to us. He's going to give us some clarity this morning on what he's saying, what he's up to, what he's doing. I want to give one report, though, before I get into the word of the Lord. This last week, um, we had a gathering of leaders um, with the Church United Movement here in South Florida And it was such a beautiful time. There was no agenda. Uh, Ben, if you could just turn this down just a little bit um, for me. We had no agenda other than to seek Jesus, the Father, Holy Spirit, and to pray. And it was beautiful as guys and ladies from multi-denominational expressions throughout our region came together in one place and began to to enter into this space together. And what was so amazing in this time and made me so proud is our own Megan Burke, who was leading worship today with Bobby, uh, was in there with this team uh, from a multiplicity of churches made up of many, many different uh, churches on the worship team. And she just really shined in that time. And I was so proud. It's, it's, it's like an amazing moment where you have one of your kids go and do something outside of the space of your house. And you just see God really uh, work through them to touch many, many people. Uh, people were responding. And it was such a beautiful moment. I believe it, 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 it hit something um, that God's wanting to do in our region as these leaders gathered together and said, Lord, turn our hearts. We want to experience uh, true repentance, which is a change of mindset, a change of belief systems. And I believe that happened, and so it was so good. One thing I want to just share with you today, also, we had um, Bobby Bemis with us this morning, uh, leading on the keyboard, and Bobby's become a a really good friend, and, and I just want to thank God for his life as he's partnering in with what we're doing here. Bobby was actually the senior worship leader at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, for 15 plus years and now is leading a movement within our region called One City. And I want you to check out what's happening with One City. It's, it's a movement that's calling the region to prayer together, collectively. And so God's really using Bobby because he's going around to many churches within the region, building relationships and connection and saying, hey, come and let's be a part of what God's doing in the region as it relates to intercession as we, we seek the will of God, right, for what he's wanting to do here. So it's, it's amazing, amazing stuff that's happening. So I want to talk to you just for a little bit of time today uh, on what I've titled, What Time Is It? We're looking at impacting our world. We're looking at what it means for all of us collectively as one unit to move together to make a difference in this life, in this earth, in our region. And so I'm talking about what time is it? And like I said, we're gonna look at this through the lens of a psalm in just a minute and how this is gonna affect us moving forward with our gatherings, with our groups, uh, with outreach in the region because we're getting ready to shift into a new season that we've been building up to for some time. Actually, you'll see at the end, this has been in the works since 2017. So here we are now some three years later, and God is just positioning us uh, to be able to, to step forward into the new things that he has for us. You know, it's interesting when you look at the nation of Israel, I think we all know the story that it all began with one man. His name was Abraham. You guys know the story, right? Abraham. And he had this miracle child named Isaac. And then Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob was the one who really had this encounter with Jesus where 
um, you know, he was, he was in trouble. His life was a mess. Anybody been there? And then all of a sudden, you know, the place that he was just laying his head down to rest because he was just completely exhausted because of the dysfunction in his life and he was trying to do everything in his own strength. God opened up his eyes to see that the place where he was was, was a portal, was, a, was an, open, um, an open connection from the earth to heaven. And he, he, he explained, uh, you know, with, with a loud voice, he says, truly God is in this place. And he named that place Bethel. And his life was transformed from that very moment. Jacob was a key figure in the progression of God building up this nation of Israel that was to be a light to the world. And it's, it's very symbolic. It's very picturesque of like what God's doing in the New Testament with the church. He's raising up a family right? Just one life at a time, one person that says, hey, I'm going to follow God. And then as that progresses, it builds from generation to generation. How many of you know that the ceiling of one generation becomes the floor for the next one to work? And so after three generations, God touches this guy's name, uh, life named Jacob. Now, Jacob had 12 sons, and these sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of the sons, the ninth son, was a guy by the name of Issachar. And there's a really interesting verse in the Bible. And by the way, Issachar was born to Leah. And if there's a lot of scandal and drama in the story of, 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 of Jacob with Rachel and Leah, but Issachar was a son to, to, to Leah uh, and versus Rachel. And look what First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32 says, and this will be our jumping off point for us this morning. From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders with their relatives. All these men, look at this, understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. All right, let's just sit on that for just a moment. So 12 tribes, if you go to First Chronicles and look up these verses in this chapter, you're going to see all of the 12 tribes and there's description over what each of them brought to the collective whole. Some were men of war, others were doing other things, you know, for the glory of God. But Issachar and the tribe of Issachar were people who understood the times and knew what to do knew how to lead Israel into the future. Can I submit something to us all today? I don't know if there's ever been a moment where we need to understand the times and know what to do as we move forward. And there's, there's a great assignment. I don't, I don't think we're the only one at Harbor, but I think there's others that God is raising up, much like he is Issach, was, did Issachar, to know the times and know what was the best course to take. For the body, we're, the, we're Israel today, if you will, in that sense. We're this nation that God is raising up, a, a people, a family that are called to be the light of the world. And it's very important for us to understand what is the best course for us to take. So I want to talk to you just a little bit about that today. And, and, I'm, and I'm praying that God would open our eyes to be able to see what Holy Spirit is wanting to show us. So look with me. Look with me. At Psalm chapter one, verse uh, Psalm one hundred two, verse thirteen, it's going to be on the screen. You can also turn to it in your Bible. I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation. Look what the psalmist writes. Psalm one hundred two, verse thirteen. He says, "I know you are about to arise and show your tender love to Zion." Now, as we read this, I want I want the emotion of what the psalmist is feeling and experiencing here to hit your heart. He says, I know. This isn't like I'm wondering or maybe or possibly this could happen. He says, I know that you are about to arise. And one thing that he's going to do, he's going to show his love to his people first. And then as he shows it to them, he's going to flow in and through them to show his love to the rest of the world. Look what he says. Now is the time. Much like Issachar, they had a grasp on what God was wanting to do. He says, now is the time, Lord, for your compassion and mercy to be what? Poured out. 
The appointed time has come for your prophetic promises to be fulfilled. Wow. Listen, there's a lot of promises. There's a lot of promises over your life that you don't even know about. God wants to show you, he wants to reveal to your heart. There's a lot of prophetic promises over the body of Christ globally, over this nation, over the region of South Florida. If you believe that, say amen. There's a lot of promises. And God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't say things and then not keep his promise, right? So the psalmist is tapping into something and he says, listen, I know it's time right now for you to do something. By the way, if you look at the context of the Psalms and the psalmist as he writes, it was usually always in the midst of a time of trouble. The reason he's pouring out his heart is because he's feeling the pressure of the moment, right? But in the pressure of the moment, he doesn't take a downward spiral. He actually opens up his ears to be able to hear and his eyes to be able to see, and he begins to speak the things that God is showing him. Listen, I don't think there's ever been a time where God, you know, is, wants to be more clear with us for us to grab a hold of what he's wanting to do, have faith in that, and then begin to speak that out ourselves. Come on, somebody. I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Kansas City, and he's, he runs with a tribe of guys, people that are just very attuned to the Lord, very much like the sons of Iskar, if you will. I just said, hey, what, what are you feeling about some stuff? What, what, what is God doing? What is he saying to you guys? And he, he just kind of said, hey, Darren, it's a time to love. Same thing from the Psalms here. He, he talks about the tender love of Zion. He said, it's the time for love. Time to love our families, a time to love our friends, a time to love our neighbors. I know that sounds so simple, but what would it look like if love touched down in our communities? Come on, the love of God, not the love of the world, not all the other definitions of love. The love of Jesus came and touched down in our region. What would that look like? So when we're talking about the prophetic promises being fulfilled, you know, it's pretty simple to get good context on that. It all has to do with what is his will. What is the will of God? What is he longing to do? And then that will give us insight into, hey, wow, this is a prophetic promise and this is something that he wants to do. It'll begin to open up our eyes so we can see and we can go, God, this is what you're speaking to my own heart. Lord, give me courage to, to believe you and believe what you're saying. And we know it's his will to love, to express his love. Look with me quickly in Matthew chapter 22. I, I love this portion of scripture because the religious Pharisees were always trying to catch Jesus in a trap, try to get him, you know, stuck in, in a corner where he couldn't get out of. And, you know, so they're asking him, hey, which of the commandments in the entire Bible is the greatest? You know, seeing what he's going to say. And in verse 37, chapter 22, Jesus answers them and he says, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with every, come on, feel this with me, every passion of your heart. With all the energy of your being and with every thought that is within you. Could you imagine? Now he's saying for us to love him in this way, listen, first we have to experience his love to even begin to reciprocate because our, our, as the bride, it's, it doesn't originate with us. I just gotta set that foundation. It doesn't originate. This kind of love doesn't originate with us. It originates with the Father. But when we receive it for ourselves, we're able to reciprocate it back to him. Does that make sense? It's like, you know, what I've learned over 30 years of marriage uh, to my wife that the love of a woman and, and, and how this works within the context of a home and a family as a man is it's a love that's reciprocated. Meaning as I sow my love into her, I get to receive that back for myself. Come on, guys. Come on, ladies. Say amen. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. As you love a woman's heart emotionally and care for him as the beautiful treasure and bride that she is, that comes back to you. Now, not yesterday's manna. It all starts again every day. Come on, guys, right? Every single day it resets. You don't get, hey, well, I, you know, was this way yesterday or a month ago or three months ago. No, every day that you wake up and you begin to sow that love into a woman's heart, 
it begins to cultivate the soil of that garden and then you eat the fruit of what is put into that ground, right? The same is true of the bride of Christ. That's why when Paul was talking about marriage and he was comparing it uh, to one thing, the relationship of Jesus and his church. And so the same thing is, is, is going on here. He's saying, hey, li- listen, let the love of God uh, with every, uh, fill every passion of your heart with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you. This is what it's gonna look like. This is the supreme commandment. There's gonna be a church that loves me. There's gonna be a church that loves me back. There's gonna be something happening dynamic on the earth through a people that have encountered love. It's where I'm taking the body. It's where I'm moving this whole thing to. In fact, you know, it says also in the midst of this time, the love of many is gonna what? Grow cold. But in the midst of that time, there's gonna be a burning love rise from ones that are being touched by God in a profound way. This is us. This is our portion. This is the great and supreme commandment, he says in verse eight. And then he says, hey, listen, the second is like it and in its importance is equal. You must love others, love your friends in the same way that you what? Love yourself. We receive the love of God, we give it back to him and as we do, now an overflow begins to transcend from our lives into other people. Y'all with me? Verse 40, I just love it as he sums it up this way. He says, contained within these commandments to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophet. In fact, you can take the whole Bible and sum it up in this one thing. This is what he's trying to communicate to us. Now, I wanna show you something. I wanna show you what we're calling True North here at, at Harbor, where we're on this journey to see people encountered by love who become these transformed people who in essence begin to transform culture. If you could put that up for me, Pointy, it's, it's a slide, True North. And, and, and really, you know, where we're trying to go and move as a community is, is really in three, three primary areas. And we see this actually modeled and, and reflected in the life of Jesus as he made his disciples on the earth, starting with the 12. And it's number one, for people to know God And by the way, that's the Western component where we talk about it being worship. Worship is way more than singing songs on a Sunday. It's people who know God, who walk with God, who know God. Next is loving people. And then out of that, we begin to impact our world. So if we're gonna be people that are transformed, people that begin to transform the world around us, begin to see Psalm 102 fulfilled, we're gonna come to a place where we really understand who God is. Here's the, here's the profound thing that I, I just want us to just think about for just a minute. Can you imagine that through Jesus' sacrifice, as Jacob's ladder, if you will, that came to the earth, took back the power of death, hell, and the grave, as Wilson was praying this morning, resurrection life now resides in him, and then because it resides in him through Holy Spirit, it resides in us there was a gateway that was opened between us and the Father again, the one who made all things, created all things. And you know what that means? That means that we can have an intimate, personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Can you imagine the one who always was, who always will be, who who put the stars in in place, who, who created all of the universes that we can look out and see with our telescopes, like this one we can have a personal relationship with. We can actually know God. But it even goes deeper than that. To to really know God and step into this, this worship component, you gotta know who you are. Out of intimacy, God starts to speak to you and say, hey, you're my son, you're my daughter. And he starts to speak things over you of who you actually really are. He actually redeems you. He buys you back to who you were always intended to be. All the brokenness that you've walked through, all the things that you've gone through in life that have tried to keep you down, holds you back. He breaks all those things off and raises you up in newness of life. Come on, somebody. That's amazing good news right there, right? And it leads you into the last thing, which is integrity, where all of a sudden, the wholeness that you're always supposed to walk in now begins to become your portion. In fact, he doesn't even refer to you as a sinner anymore. He refers to you as a saint. Can you believe that? Like he calls you now a saint of God. 
He says, you're now the, the, the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness of God in Christ. Can you imagine? And he calls us out of those experiences to begin to love people. All right, so let's make this really practical. Have you ever tried to love somebody before that feels like they're unlovable? <laughs> and you're like, you're all spiritual, right? Until you get into one of those moments and then you're like, you're wondering if you're even a believer. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, I don't know if I even know God here. Like I, I you, you get around these, I, I was watching these crazy videos on, on, on uh, Facebook. There was a fight that broke out on an airplane. I think there was like, it had hundreds of thousands of views on this thing because the guy reclined his seat back into the person behind him and then a fist fight broke out, you know? And um, I'm just thinking, and man, it was just chaos. I mean, the, the, <laughs> and no one was stepping in to break up this fight. I'm like, come on, somebody step in and break these two knuckleheads apart from pounding each other on the midst of this airplane at 40,000 feet or whatever. But I was like, you know, there's sometimes those people that, 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 you know, get in your face or say very difficult things or really are hard to deal with sometimes. And you know what I found is when you meet that with love in humility versus the same spirit that they come at you with, it all of a sudden changes the atmosphere. Have you ever tried that? It's weird. It's like you don't want to do it in your natural person, but then you go ahead and be obedient to God, and you're like, hey, listen, I'm going to respond in a different spirit, and all of a sudden, everything just gets better. Wendy knows this. Sometimes when I drive, I'm a little ADD on the road. Can I get an amen? Because, you know, there's more to look at than just the road when you're out there cruising around. Come on, somebody. I mean, there's houses, there's things going on, there's animals flying and birds over the top of you, you know? I mean, you gotta take all this in. So I actually, you know, the other day I was in, in, in our car and I was driving by myself, thank the Lord, or Wendy would have let me have it. Come on, somebody. She's my Holy Spirit when we drive. She, she corrects me on every, you know, just today where I was driving here, I almost went through a stop sign. She's like, last week you almost did the same thing. I'm like, babe, I'm just praying for the service today. Like, I'm just, so I cut off this guy and, and, and man, he, you know, he does one of these, you know, comes right up on the rear end of you. You know, you can feel the acceleration and he gets right behind you. And in my flesh, old nature, not new nature. Okay, I'm a new creation in Christ. Come on, somebody. I just wanted to hit the brakes and let him hit me in the back end. I was like, you're gonna do that. I'm, I'm going brake. I'm hitting brake, full brakes, you know? But I didn't, I just kind of, he was like, and then he would pull back a little bit, come back up on me again. And then, you know how when you, you come to a, a red light and then sometimes you end up right next to that same person that you were, that's what was happening. And I was like thinking the whole time, Lord, Holy Spirit, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And, and he got there and it wasn't like, you know, sometimes when I do that, I try to like actually go a little bit further than them or hang back a little bit versus come right. But this, we were just right up on each other. And I was like, hey brother, how's your night going, man? He's like, good. I said, man, I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention back there, but I apologize and hope you're having a good night. And he just completely changed. Like this guy was gonna kill me. I'm telling you, this guy was gonna kill me, 100%. But my point here is that when you begin to engage with other humans, difficult people, it's really where you begin to learn about what it looks like to be a transformed person. Trust me, it's, it's like all, man, I meet all these, listen, I meet all of, especially single people, they are on fire for God. They love Jesus with all of their heart. They are so passionate about the Lord. And then they get married. I have to confess, this is, I mean, this, is this the, a safe place to confess sin this morning? I, uh, kidding. But you know, Wendy and I, we're so, we love social sociology. I think I could have been a sociologist studying people. So we watched this Love at First Sight or Married at First Sight. Have you guys heard about this? 
I mean, crazy. You know, they, they just, they get matched up according to their, you know, the, you know, how they're wired and all this kind of stuff. But then they just meet each other for the first time at the, at the, at the altar, you know, and all of these people really want to be married. I mean, they are really wanting to be married. I mean, it is like the top number one thing on their list, right? And so I'm watching this, I'm, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, especially if, there's, if they, they find each other attractive and there's some good chemistry and they start getting along and they have good conversation, I'm thinking, man, this is going to be the most amazing relationship. They've been waiting for years for this to happen. Some of them, 5, 10, 15 years, as they interview them, you get to know all these kind of stories before they go to the altar. But then we're watching this thing together, Wendy and I, and one day in, some of them are like... I just never knew it was going to be this difficult. You know, I don't know if we're going to make it. I'm thinking, y'all are one day in. I think the goal is to get to, what is it, eight weeks? And then they have to, it's called decision day and stuff. And I'm like thinking, y'all are eight weeks? Like, and some of them are like, you, you see the blowups, then you, they, they do the walk, you know, you've got a runner, there they go, I'm done. You know, they're, they're just, I'm just, that's the thing, I'm done, I'm over it, I'm done. And I'm thinking, guys, like, this was your dream and you're eight weeks in. And it's it just showing, showing us that the way the culture of this world has been set up, it's so hard for people they can, they can have all of these idealisms, but when it comes to being put in real relationship, come on, and this is no shame or no condemnation this morning, but we really struggle as a culture right now as it relates to person-to-person interaction. Come on, over the last year and a half, there has been the most nasty stuff that I've ever seen in my life on social media. I'm like, if you were standing face-to-face, I think that to myself, if you were standing face-to-face, you would never say what you just said to somebody right now if you were face-to-face with that person. This is so dysfunctional. God is wanting to raise us up again where, man, it's not just super spiritual Christianity, if you will. It's like, it's, it's where the rubber starts meeting the road and you receiving real love from the Father that roots you in who you are and you're so established in your identity that no one can move you and then out of that place now you begin to truly love other people. So let's look back at Psalm 102 again. Real quick, verse 13. And let's see if we can see this true north kind of model that I just laid out in the psalm here. It's all throughout the word, by the way. It was all throughout the ministry of Jesus. We're not making something new up ourselves. Like, hey, Darren, how y'all making disciples at the harbor? No, we, we, we got really smart and we just looked at what did the Bible have to say? What did Jesus model? And we we're going with that, right? So look what he says in verse 13. I know you are about to arise and to show your tender love to Zion. In other words, the church is gonna know God. You're gonna know me because you're gonna experience my love. And it's gonna change your your paradigm completely on how you even view me. I mean, this is where like when I hear people, especially in difficult times, and they think, man, how could God let this happen? Or how could God do this? Or how could God do that? Or why would God abandon me? And I understand how we can get there, unfortunately. But I also think, man, if we really knew God, we wouldn't even be saying those things. We would know like really who he is, really the essence of who his character is. I love, I think what Megan and them were saying the other week about God, and it was actually, I think, Amanda Joe. She was talking on a, even on a video about, man, in, in, in the foundation of who the Lord is, he is good. It's not even that he does good things. He is just good in his essence. And so we measure everything about his goodness by what we think he does good or what he doesn't do good and all that kind of stuff when we don't even understand that at his core, he is good by his very nature. Because you can get disillusioned when you have an unmet expectation. Well, God, I thought that you were going to do X, Y, and Z, and you don't even know if what you're thinking is actually his will. And so when it doesn't come to pass, we get disillusioned. Are you following me? But God in his character, in his essence, in his nature, he is good. So I know that you are about to arise and show your tender love to Zion, knowing God. Now look what he says in the next part of the verse. He says, now is the time, Lord, for your compassion and mercy to be poured out. Who's it gonna be poured out through? Some revival that hits in Lakeland or Brownsville or up in Canada somewhere? 
some random meeting that now is the next hotspot? No. Listen, it's you. We're waiting for some other like spiritual something and God's like, I'm waiting for you. I'm wanting to touch every single person in my body. I want you to know my love and then I want it to flow through you. The compassion, compassion and mercy. You know what mercy is? Not giving someone what they deserve. The meek shall inherit the earth. What is meekness? Meekness is power restrained. God is gonna show us like how to extend mercy and compassion on people when they deserve the very opposite thing. I didn't know where I was gonna kind of put this in there, in here, but like right now we're, we're even walking through something like this as a church, you know, as it relates to this building. You know, we were given a tool here to use. We put together a really beautiful agreement called a lease. Does anybody know what a lease is? <laughs> if you've ever rented, right? And we had a very smart individual help us put this lease together that gave forethought to the future because I, I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really all that concerned about the language in a lease. Man, I had a lot of naivety as it relates to that. I've learned a lot, you know, in this process. And man, I'm much the wiser moving forward. But thank God we had good friends that stood by us and helped put together a beautiful lease. And one of the things in the lease provision was it made, um, it made provision in case the, the campus was ever gonna be sold one day. And so within the lease, we had the option of write a first offer and write a first refusal. And there's, there's real estate terminology for all of that, which I won't go into, but basically it protected us that if the campus went for sale, that we would have these two options. And then if we chose not to say purchase the campus, we'd have two years to exit. And unfortunately, there's some people that are trying to cancel that out and not acknowledge what is in our lease. Well, what do you do when you're in a moment like that? What do you do when you're in my position and you're like, hey, I don't, th this is not about me, Lord. This is about all the people that call this place home. And this could be a change and a disruption. And you know what he spoke to me? He said, listen, Darren, number one, I'm gonna take care of the harbor. In fact, if whatever goes down, I'm gonna give you an upgrade. I mean, it's, it's, it's gonna go from glory to glory here. Like if there's a movement that has to take place, a move, so be it. And trust me in this, I'm gonna take you to a whole nother level as a community. Right now, you need to extend mercy and compassion towards these people. So I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Lord, and we, my wife and I, we pray for them. God, touch their hearts. You ever been in a situation where it just feels like injustice? Sometimes it just feels like injustice reigns on the earth. Guess what? The vengeance is not ours, it's the Lord's. And what we're supposed to do is, is extend compassion and mercy. We're supposed to be wise. We're not supposed to be doormats. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. None of that nonsense. We're not supposed to be abused. We're supposed to have healthy boundaries because we value ourselves, right? When it comes to people that are messed up, we don't put them in our inner circle. Come on, somebody. But my point is, is that we create a different atmosphere than what the world brings. We have a different persona when people meet us. And the appointed time for your prophetic promises will be fulfilled. This is where we're really going to change society in some way. It's not gonna be just about another church service or another worship set or another teaching, as beautiful as all those things are, they actually should be unto something because we're encountering the love of God in a place like this, in a meeting like this. There's the impact in my world part. So what does this look like for Harbor? Gatherings for us have been all about focusing on knowing God. We talk about the Father a lot in here. We talk about who you are a lot we talk about how you can be made whole all the time. Why? Because we want you to know God in our gatherings. Our groups, which we're getting ready to launch in a couple of weeks, this is where we start to see people 
begin to engage with others and truly learn how to love. Listen, there's nothing like going, and I wanna just, I wanna just kind of try to urge you to think about something when you, know, when you consider joining whatever group. Don't just look for the place that has people that are just like you, whether it's racially, social, economically, um, career-wise. Like, maybe take a risk and dive into a place of, of, of engagement with other people that you don't even know, that you've maybe never even met anymore, and just see what God might do in that group. We're a diverse, diverse culture down here in South Florida. We have all kinds of stories all around this room. Some people have, you know, it's just, I mean, you could fill in the blank of like what, what your upbringing was like, what your experiences were like. How cool would it be to be around people that had different stories than you and you were able to glean from the, the beauty of God's life working in them? I was telling, tell me your name again. Sophia, I was talking to Sophia and I was, I was telling Justin this the other day. I saw her a couple weeks ago or last week and I just saw like a dignity over her, like a royalty over her life. And I told her today, I said, that you're, you're gonna be an example of this to many, many other women. I said, you're a survivor. I don't know the depths of her story, but I want to. There's people all over this room that all you have all kinds of stories and people need to hear about your story. They need to hear about what God has done in you, how he's taken you from one place that was totally broken and hopeless to where you are right now. And you need to begin to talk about this to other people. And we need to be good listeners. We need to come together in groups and learn to love each other and the beauty of what Christ is doing in different people's lives. And sometimes that means, hey, listen, been through some tough stuff in my marriage or, hey, had this brokenness in my past, but here's what Jesus has done in my life. Engagement with other people. What I wanna just say practically, I'm, I'm wrapping this up, is just so everybody understands, when it comes to pastoring this community known as the Harbor Church, we're gonna do it in the context of home. Meaning, as people plug into Harbor at Home groups, that's how we're gonna pastor this community. And trust me, be, beyond receiving from others, I, I wanna put this, this uh, other slide up there, True North with the engaged part, be, beyond having opportunity to, to receive from other people, you know, their stories, the grace and beauty of God that's on their life, and then share with them what, what's on your life, we're gonna ultimately be able to go out of these homes to go and give this stuff away. How many of you know that we go through tough times in, in various moments of our life? You know, I just got a text from a, a young man that used to attend Harbor years ago and he said, Darren, please pray for me. My dad is fighting for his life right now. And I found out his dad passed away and I just reached out to him with a touch of love this morning and said, hey man, I'm thinking about you. We need pastored. We need to have a place to come where it's safe and we're being taken care of. In this room, we can only do that to a portion of our ability, but within a smaller group with a leader that's gonna be there for you. In the everyday issues of life, those bad weeks, those times when you're doubting, those times when you feel a little confusion, sometimes when you maybe wake up a little depressed and you go to that group and all of a sudden, because of the encouragement, not because of some pastor, that's up preaching to you just because of a group that's all around you that comes around you and says, you're gonna make it. And you know you have a family, some people that maybe you didn't even know before and all of a sudden they love you and they care about you and they wanna invest in your life and they call you that week and say, hey, how you doing? I was thinking about you. God's bringing the church back to the home again. It's not all about the home. He's gonna put us in larger gatherings where his power is gonna begin to flow in ways that we've never even experienced in meetings like this. I believe that. And there'll be anointed preachers and teachers that will get up and you can only get that in a context like this. But listen, he's gotta pull the bow back and he's wanting to get us back into home again where we can become a family of God. He's wanting us to connect, to engage, to, to be able to receive, to share, and then ultimately go and give this away. So Harbor at Home groups, this is what it's looking like for us as a major focus as we move forward. And then the whole, you know, giving this thing away, we want to start taking our time and our money and putting it outside of the four walls. 
Well, isn't that a novel idea? Time and money. Let's, let's put our money where our mouth is and let's start going out of the four walls collectively as one church. And so we've come up with this idea. Every fifth Sunday, we're calling them fifth Sundays, we're not gonna meet in our groups and we're not gonna gather here. We're gonna collectively go and impact the world in some way as a community. And so we already have plans. October 31st is the first one. We have another one in January, I believe, and then another one in May. And so we're gonna do three of these over the course of this next year. And so in terms of our harbor seasons, which I just wanna show you briefly, um, harbor seasons, here's what it's gonna look like, September to November. And again, this is by the grace of God as he, as he helps provide for this. We're gonna be at harbor at home groups every second and fourth Sundays. And these groups will flow into our gatherings, which are every first and third Sundays. And then on the fifth Sundays, we'll be in our fifth Sunday outreaches. And then during the month of November, sorry, December, we're gonna take a breather from our groups and come together and celebrate at Advent season, the coming of Jesus, which is what changed the trajectory of the entire planet as it relates to humanity. When he came, he reconnected us back to the Father. We're gonna celebrate that together. Then January through May, the same thing, first and third gatherings as groups flow into them from the second and fourth Sundays. And then June through August, we're gonna come back together over the summer months and be together as one family. That's our plan. All right? Harbor seasons. But our primary focus as we move forward is loving people. So at the end, actually Savannah will come back up and give instruction. We want you to meet um, some of our Harbor at Home leaders um, and hosts and sub-leaders and people that are sowing into this space today and then check out the groups that are busy getting ready to launch in a couple of weeks. And here's the deal, we're gonna have so much space in each of the groups for you to connect with those uh, groups and be a part. And so there'll be opportunity even today for you to consider signing up leading up to the, to the launch of these Harbor at Home groups here shortly. And so this is where you can receive pastoral care. This is where you can share the beautiful grace that's on your life. This is where you can begin to get positioned to give to other people. And so Harbor Serve is another thing that we wanna make you aware of right in that table back there in the back. How many of you know that we can't do what we're doing unless everybody does a share, does a part? And if you have any space in your schedule, we'd really appreciate you to come by and see that table and hear where there's opportunities to give of your service to what's busy happening here at the harbor, okay? So that doesn't fall on just a few. If we all do a little bit, we'll be able to get everything done that we need to to make this whole thing go. Groups, gatherings, fifth Sundays. That simple, all right? As we wrap up today, I wanna, I wanna share a video with you, and this is just amazing to me, just to think about how God is truly showing us where we should go. In January of 2017, we came together and we said, God, would you show us what, what you have for us for the next decade, 2022 to 2032, for 10 years? How cool would it be just to be able to hear God and him show, hey, here's what your next 10 years is gonna look like. Not perfectly, but he'll give the blueprint in essence. And as we were sitting there in this time and between 2017 leading up till now, we began to see this hybrid model of groups and gatherings, groups that actually flow into gatherings. People that have relationship with one another gather together for the purpose of discipling our harbor partners, which would also include, which is beautiful today, even as people watch online all around the world, we have an option for in-person and online for people to experience both these groups and these gatherings. And then secondly, he began to show us that we would look to expand our city hub locations. This is our Broward city hub right here that you're a part of right now. Groups that will flow from Broward into the city hub into West Palm Beach eventually, and then one day down into the belly of the beast, Miami. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Every time I go to Miami, I'm like, what planet am I on right now, Lord? But God wants to touch Miami, right? And God's called us as a regional church to impact all three of these counties. So eventually, we wanna see city hubs raised up. So listen, we're looking for leaders, God to raise up leaders in our midst. 
Harbor at Home leaders, Harbor at Home hosts, Harbor at Home, uh, uh, you know, sub leaders, people that are gonna multiply groups. We're believing God for hundreds of groups to be all around this region, points of light, people meeting in their homes, knowing God, knowing the love of God, experiencing the love of God, having encounters that transform your life. And then out of those, you're really able to go out and love people in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your spheres of influence. God is wanting to light this thing on fire. Listen, what the devil is doing right now, he's overplayed his hand. God is gonna raise up a church in the midst of this moment. All the fear is gonna break off. We're gonna be so filled with faith like never before. And we're gonna say this region is ours and nothing else is entering in because we're the gatekeepers. We're gonna keep everything out that belongs out and we're gonna open up the gates for everything that God wants to come in. This is our moment. But it's time to get connected. We got to come together. We got to get connected. We need you empowered. We need you flowing in who you were created to be. And that will begin to take place in these groups. It's gonna be amazing, amazing. And then we saw ourselves like, can you imagine on a Sunday, hey, guess what? We're not having worship today. We're not having a preaching. We're gonna go out together and love on people. It's gonna be amazing. So I wanna show this video, take a look. This is what God showed us three years ago. And here we are moving into this, starting in a couple of weeks. This is, this is the story about a question. What if we could change the narrative of South Florida? What if our community became known as the best place to live, to work, and to raise a family? Like our own stories, the story of South Florida is far from over. From the very beginning, the vision of Harbor Church was to see transformed people transforming culture. A conviction that together we could change the fabric of our community and see South Florida flourish one transformed life at a time. We believe that as God's people saturate the region with the gospel, generosity is reimagined. Stronger families are formed. Sunday's faith is connected to Monday's work. Education and literacy rise, the elderly are cared for, orphans, addicts, and widows find lasting hope, and commerce is redefined for the common good. So with that in mind, we asked ourselves, what does the next season of our story hold? What if we put the pen in your hand and together began to engage the spiritual lostness, the social pain, and the cultural brokenness of South Florida? What if we trusted God for a vision so big that we would have to say it was only God who accomplished it? In early 2017, Harbor leaders came together asking one big question. What if every person in our church were equipped to be whole in spirit, soul, and body, and empowered to impact their sphere of influence? At Harbor Church, it's always been about wholeness, knowing that healthy believers are the key ingredient to a healthy church. Since 2003, we've been mobilized to demonstrate God's power and love throughout our community. But what if we're only just getting started? Today, we're writing the next chapter of the story of Harbor Church. We call it Vision 2022, a vision to double the number of committed Christ followers in our region through collective evangelistic efforts, mobilizing commerce, raising up leaders, running towards the vulnerable, engaging education, and you. You are a critical piece in writing this story. No matter who you are or what you do, you play a central role in seeing this vision realized. You see, we don't just need more pastors and church staff. We need hundreds of new spirit-filled leaders who understand their calling and the power of their influence. We need thousands of gospel-saturated Christians people who see their vocation as a mission deployed into every sector of the marketplace. And as a critical mass of South Floridians begins to rise, they become better neighbors, better employees, better parents, and better citizens. And that might just represent something big for our region. It may just spark a revival. Imagine when 3% of committed Christ followers become 6%, then 9%, and eventually a tipping point. And as the momentum continues, South Florida becomes one of the best places to live, a place of faith, hope, and love, a place where God's kingdom is on the move. Vision 2022 is one of many chapters in our story, a story that has only just begun. Join us. Come on. <laughs> I love that video. 
I want you to imagine something with me. If God can totally turn the world upside down with just 12 people, how much more can we see South Florida be totally changed and transformed with eight groups, 10 groups, 20 groups? This is what God's doing. Like, like Pastor Darren said this morning, we... As the harbor, I love our staff. Listen, I love our staff team. We have about nine people that I totally believe can wholeheartedly change the world, even though most of us are part-time. <laughs> but as much as I love our staff team, I truly believe that we're not the church as the harbor staff team. It's you guys together. We in community are the church. So we're gonna have a moment. I'm actually gonna go ahead and dismiss our harbor hosts and leaders to head back to your tables. Harbor staff team, you guys can go on back to your designated table. If you're a parent with children, you guys can go ahead and sneak back and grab your kiddos. But I just truly believe that this is gonna be an amazing season to see change and transformation. I, I just wanna speak to just one thing quickly in the room. If you're just even this morning, you're like, man, like I kinda like showing up to church and I like walking out and, and I've been isolated for about a year and a half. The thought of being in a small group terrifies me. Listen, jump in because at the end of the day, you can never have something valuable without cost. And you can never see true transformation without a little bit of change. So I encourage you this morning, talk to our harbor hosts and leaders, get connected, get plugged in. If you're not involved in a harbor serve staff, a part of our team, come hop in and see what God's doing. Get connection. It's time to go after that this morning. So go ahead and stand up with me. Actually, we're gonna pray as we close us out. But Jesus, I just thank you so much that this is a season to get connected with your heart, with what you're doing. God, you know every single facet of our life. God, every single pain point from this past year, every single moment where we said, God, we needed you and no one else knew but just you. But God, I just thank you that this is a place and a time for change and for transformation, for healing and for restoration, God, that you're gonna do something in this hour that's gonna be so powerful. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you so much for coming this morning. Guys, do me a favor. Say hi to somebody who's next to you. Come on, there's so many amazing faces. And be sure to talk to our harbor hosts and leaders. We're so excited to see what's gonna happen in September, guys. Bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.